Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the OK Fame Show, the premier place for all your professional wrestling news and needs. Now, here's Connor, a.k.a. OK Fame. What's going on, everybody? It's yours truly, Connor A.K. OK Fabe. Welcome, guys, to your September 11th edition of the OK Fabe Show, of course, right here on YouTube.com slash OK or Facebook and Twitch, or wherever you're listening to us on those awesome audio podcasting platforms. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, all across the board. Love you guys for checking this out. Listening in to this edition of the OK Fabe Show, we're going to be talking about SmackDown Live coming off from Madison Square Garden's The Go Home Show uh, for SmackDown Live for Clash of Champions. Did the blue brand do it any better than the red brand last night? We have a lot of things to talk about with SmackDown Live. Of course, you guys in the routine, you guys in the whole shtick, always love to hear your thoughts on what went down on SmackDown Live. So make sure you hit me up in the comment section. Hit me up on social media. Always love interacting with you on Twitters at OKFabe. Of course, also check us out on, like I said, Facebook, Twitch, uh, <laughs> all the major social media platforms you guys can of course follow us on the instagram as well so make sure you guys go check us out um and of course make sure you check out the t-shirt store at represent.com and and of course sign up for patreon to get bonus goodies for as little as a dollar a month check it out so we of course got the uh, smackdown live go home show again emanating from madison square garden a show that uh it's very interesting the correlation between SmackDown and Raw this week as we go home to Clash of Champions uh, coming at you this Sunday with all the championships being on the line. We had The Undertaker showing up. We had the semifinal match of the King of the Ring tournament, which had a very intriguing twist and uh, and also a firing all in one show. Um, it's weird because despite the end of SmackDown, I will say that SmackDown definitely built up Clash of Champions, in my opinion, much better than Raw did. Um, that being said, uh, this week's SmackDown had, I feel like a lot to be desired in a, in a couple of different segments, but we'll break down each and every single one of you guys for you, uh, as we recap, uh, basically all the shenanigans that went down with SmackDown. I guess really the biggest one to talk about first and foremost was the undertaker. Now I need to stress this again, just like I did with the, with the whole stone cold thing on raw is the fact that I really enjoyed, uh, you know, I love stone cold Steve Austin. I always love seeing stone cold Steve Austin. Smashing the beers, cans together, raising hell, doing a stunner. Always great to get a little bit of nostalgia here and there. Um, but the problem arises when you bring nostalgia back for practically no reason. That was one of my biggest problems with Stone Cold being on Raw last uh, last Monday night. Was that despite him you know, stunning AJ Styles twice and doing a beer bash at the end of the show, he really didn't do a whole lot of contributions to building up the rivalry with Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. And subsequently, The Undertaker showing up on SmackDown this week 
kind of had the same overall tone, where The Undertaker really didn't, well, do anything other than put over the garden. Uh, he got on the, he got, he did his long entrance right off the bat, right off the get-go. He gets on the mic and says he's considered these hollow grounds his home for the past 30 years. He doesn't know how many times he's going to come home, come to, uh, get to come home anymore. But there's one thing he wants people to remember about this place. The Titans were born here, the legends made their name, and the heroes that were created right here in Madison Square Garden. It's rewarding for him to know that he took a little piece of each of their soul with him, but they won't be forgotten, and the echoes of their memories will echo through these halls for all eternity. And of course, now we usher in a new era of superstars and outcomes, and I can't believe I'm saying this, of all people to interrupt the Undertaker taker Sami Zayn. Yeah, the same guy who is the mouthpiece of Shinsuke Nakamura currently decided to interrupt the Undertaker. And here we go. He says he doesn't know much, uh, but if there's one thing he does know, it's about New York City and that they respect legends and Undertakers, of course, a legend. And truthfully, he says what he finds most impressive about Taker's career is probably his history in this very arena because he's been selling it out for 30, for 30 years. In 30 years, Madison Square Garden has been the dead man's yard. Sammy says, uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, uh, he has utmost respect for The Undertaker, but however he thinks he can admit it probably shouldn't be him opening SmackDown, should have probably been him, but hey, nothing but respect, 30 years, long time, when, when is enough is enough. He knows how much the dead man loves WWE and everything he's ever done has been about paving the way for the future, so what he's trying to say is the future's now and it's Sami Zayn, basically asks him to respectfully leave and, and turn around the ring right in the corner to do the right thing and pass the torch he promises Matt Square Garden the future of WWE will be in good hands. He gives him his word. Of course, Taker actually starts to leave, and Sammy starts strutting. But then, of course, Taker turns around and, of course, gotcha, choke slam. Taker poses with his fist up on the ramp. So, again, Undertaker is my favorite wrestler of all time. If you were to sit down and ask me, name your top ten, which I, it's hard for me to do because you put all of them in a different list together, and, you know, I'm sure it's an opinionated list. Some people like Ric Flair more. Some people like Triple H and others. But for me, the greatest of all time, in my opinion, will be the dead man. And I'm glad to see the Undertaker come back and do his whole thing, but I'm telling you, it was almost like the exact same scenario with Stone Cold Steve Austin on Raw. Came in. Did his thing, stunned somebody, and left. Taker came in, did his thing, choked somebody, and left. There was no other interaction with Undertaker or anyone else, despite the fact that yours truly and a lot of other people were kind of clamoring at the bit to see if the fiend himself was going to attack the Undertaker. Now, not under not uh, attacking Stone Cold Steve Austin is one thing. Got yourself the dead man right here in the same hollow grounds. In fact, we found out later on that Bray Wyatt actually had himself a dark match at Madison Square Garden against the B team. So it was there in, in gimmick. I just don't understand why it didn't happen that way. But, you know, for a trip now down nostalgic lane, I'm not necessarily complaining. But for anything else of the purpose of The Undertaker showing up on SmackDown, it does make me scratch my head a little more than it probably should. But... We cut to Shane McMahon's office when, of course, Chad Gable comes in. Now, of course, I broke this on social media, as did everybody else, that, of course, Elias was officially pulled from the King of the Ring tournament, who was supposed to face Chad Gable in the semifinals due to an injury, although we haven't heard any other report of an injury, so speedy recovery to Elias. But Shane McMahon compliments Gable on what he's been able to do lately, saying everyone's been talking about him and he's on fire, but Elias broke his ankle and apparently can't compete. Gable says he knows he's not getting a bye and going to the finals, but man cuts him off and says he knows uh, Chad doesn't want a freebie. He wants to earn his way, so he's got a match tonight, but he doesn't know who the pony is going to be just yet. Gable says that sounds good and leaves off to and leaves it to Shane McMahon. We then get Andrade Cianamas versus The Miz in one-on-one action. Not a bad match at all whatsoever, uh, with Andrade being able to really showcase The Miz's abilities going into his Intercontinental Championship match at Clash of Champions, which, yes, 
keep forgetting the Miz is challenging Shinsuke Nakamura for the Intercontinental Championship. But I have to admit that while the in-ring stuff was very fun, Nakamura on the commentary at ringside was even just as much entertaining. Really funny stuff and stuff that I kind of wish Nakamura would do a little bit more. And it's interesting to see Nakamura in this limelight now where he's like a heel and doesn't really give a crap. And I'm kind of digging it so far. I mean, I'm kind of enjoying the vibes that he's putting out, um, even though Sami Zayn was still unfortunately recovering from that choke slam from The Undertaker. But as it made, Miz, of course, gets the win with the skull-crushing finale. Really, not really uh, any shock or surprise that the Miz will get the victory because he kind of needs it going into his title match. Of course, it doesn't take long for Nakamura to attack. Knee from behind and King Tasha to wipe out his opponent. We'll talk more about the buildup or lack thereof and who I think is going to walk out of the Clash of Champions as the Intercontinental Champion on the Friday edition of the OK Fave Show. So make sure you guys come back and tune in. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button, the bell, so you're notified every time a video drops in your sub box. So of course, we got uh, Matt Hardy and Apollo Crews are chilling in the locker room when Shane rolls up looking for him and they start making short jokes. Gable shows up and asks if he's a found opponent to which Shane says he has. He's right outside and Elias approves. Tonight, it'll be Chad Gable versus Shane McMahon. I know... I know everyone and their mother called this one happening. And it's kind of funny because we haven't really seen Shane prominently on SmackDown the last couple of weeks, which has been sort of refreshing. So once everyone knew that Elias was out of the picture and we needed essentially a heel for Gable to get over to get himself to the finals of the King of the Ring, why else would it be anybody else other than Shane McMahon? You know what I mean? So it is what it was what it was. Um... But we get back from commercial break. Mandy Rose is on the mic. She calls Nikki Cross ugly and has a picture of the Tron of Cross uh, gurning uh, next to her sitting pretty. She talks about how men open doors for her and slam them on Nikki and says she looks like an oversized rat crawling out of the Lincoln Tunnel. And, of course, this leads to Mandy Rose versus Nikki Cross in one-on-one action where uh, Nikki just storms the ring and starts berating, going right after her. Unfortunately, this was not a match to showcase Mandy Rose's uh, singles uh, competition skills. I really wasn't big on this. And it's not, I think, to a fault of Nikki Cross. I think they tried to make this happen. Of course, we know Fire and Desire are actually challenging for the women's tag team titles at Clash of Champions. It was announced last night on Raw. And, okay, cool, I get the idea. But, really, it wasn't anything to write home about. And, unfortunately, it just kind of... I, it's not that I have anything against Fire and Desire. I'm more of a Sonya fan than I am a Mandy fan. But, listen, I'll just leave... I think Corey Graves has got the whole Mandy Rose fandom thing got down. So Nikki Cross wins with the folding press uh, pinfall. Um, again, nothing really to write home about. But we'll see how the tag team match goes. I, I feel like Fire and Desire are better suited as a team right now. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out at the pay-per-view on Sunday. Sure. We cut backstage, Heavy Machinery making some protein shake. And Otis is shaking like a banana. He tastes it and yells us. And, of course, that sends us to commercial break. We get back, and of course, backstage, Bailey's hanging out with Ember Moon, uh, and then she, uh, of course, asks her what the hell is going on. Bailey insists that she's the same person she's always been, and what she did, she did for SmackDown. It's not just about Sasha, it's about the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, Ember, of course, asks if beating on Becky Lynch elevates the title on SmackDown before saying that Bailey's better than that, and she's trying to fight for relevance now that Banks is back and points out that she got pinned by Charlotte last night on Raw. Bailey steps to her, and Ember challenges to her match tonight, which, of course, Bailey does reluctantly accept. We get ourselves Heavy Machinery's tag team opponents, the Beaver Boys, Alex Re uh, Reynolds and John Silver. Um, but yeah, I, I just uh, unreal here. 
Uh, Knight and Reynolds to start. Tucker well in control. Knight flips him over. I mean, pretty much it's a it's a squash. We get ourselves a good old-fashioned Caterpillar. And, of course, Heavy Machinery wins with a pinfall after the compactor on poor John Silver, who, uh, by the way, is currently the CZW World Heavyweight Champion. So that's fun to see Silver there. But, uh, yep, unfortunately, the Heavy Machinery just steamrolls through the competition once again. Let's hope this doesn't turn into a whole War Raider situation where they're just continually squashing teams. But, hey... I'm just still happy to at least see heavy machinery on my TV. You know what I'm saying? Backstage, we see Shane McMahon talking to a crew member, and of course, Kevin Owens rolls up. He wanted Owens to come in so he could talk to him about the fine uh, hanging over him, and he says he's willing to get rid of it. He's willing to have him completely absolve and waive the $100,000 uh, fine. KO asks, of course, what the catch is, and Shane says there's no catch, just a job. He puts the referee shirt on Kev's shoulder and says the king of the ring is very important to him. He wants to be double billed as best of the world and king of the ring. He does his job correctly. That $100,000 fine will be gone, just so you know, to the best of his ability. Owen starts to ask a question, but he gets caught in his throat when he leaves, and he seems visibly conflicted. It looks like we got ourselves a good old-fashioned special guest. Back in commercial, we see, of course, the uh, we see the video package of what happened uh, last week with, of course, Eric Rowan taking out Dato Bryan and Roman Reigns. But, of course, Rowan decides to make his entrance this time. He gets on the mic and says, all of his life, people just don't seem to get him. They don't know him. All of us think he's controlled by somebody that somebody tells him what to do until last week. You see, all of us need to look him in the eyes, which we're afraid to do, and see what it is that makes him tick. Look deep, 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 deep in those eyes and see what he's capable of. And that's what he, and that's, he's a mastermind, a manipulator, a schemer. But no, we all see a big brood that terrorize and brutalize, just like he did to Roman last week. And of course, into Roman's reigns fighting Matt. He slides in the ring and hits a Superman punch down to Roman on the floor. Uh, the outside, they start brawling. Spear countered by a front kick. Eric throws him into the barricade, but uh, Roman punches him on the charge and dumps him into the crowd. Uh, Superman punch gets him, uh, cuts, uh, cuts off Rowan as he climbs the barricade and referee security road agents restore order. But Roman hits another Superman punch. Roman picks up a fan, not like a blading fan. I mean, a person sitting at the arena and power bombs him into the whole group. Uh, Sanjay does actually in the front waving, uh, uh, you know, Eric off, but he leads him around the ring and wipes Roman out with a freight train crossbody. Eric drags him up the ramp, uh, ramp, Reigns recovers, big slicing rights, the big man cuts him off and clubs him down as we see Adam Pearce enter the fray and finally they achieve some degree of separation only for Roman to start up with another Superman punch, beating Eric down on the King of the Ring uh, area, Rowan rises, grabs the camera boom, throwing it into Reigns, he yells about uh, Sunday as the refs and road agents escort him to the back before checking on Roman as we see Roman slowly rise to his feet. There's a lot of things I really, really like about this. Um, now, obviously, last week's SmackDown was so confusing with, with Rowan coming out and attacking both Brian and Roman. Uh, it's just weird. It was just uh, something that I don't think anybody really anticipated. And we know Roman and Erica, of course, are fighting at the pay-per-view on Sunday. And it's not that I'm against this idea. I'm up for pushing new talent and having new people step up to the fray. I mean, you know, I'm not necessarily the biggest Eric Rowan fan, but hey, if it gives him an opportunity with Roman Reigns at a pay-per-view, can't say that it's not worth giving it a shot. Um, the brawl, I think, was definitely needed because Rowan and Roman really haven't touched, and there really wasn't much to interest me in the match going into this other than it's Roman's version of revenge, and we needed to do something to make Eric Rowan look like a posable threat other than just attacking Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan when they when we're figuring out who done it now. Um, I think this really set the stage well for their matchup at the pay-per-view because it made me it made me at least, at the very least, interested to see what exactly was going to go down with this. Uh 
I think we all know who the winners are going to be at the end of the day, but you know, we might be surprised a little bit. This could still be all part of a Daniel Bryan ruse, even though Bryan was not really mentioned too much during this whole character or this whole uh, attack, but I liked it a lot. The only thing I really don't like, or at least as of right now, is that it's announced as a normal match. Considering that Eric Rowan, if we were to believe that he's the one that, uh, that attempted to take out Roman Reigns numerous times, whether it be with a scaffold and, don't forget folks, almost ran him over in a parking lot, I would think that a normal match like this really wouldn't do it so well. That'd be like if Stone Cold Steve Austin came back when he got hit by a car to have a match with Rikishi at No Mercy in a normal match, which to my knowledge, I don't believe it was. Make this a street fight. Make this a no holes bar. Make this something. It cannot be contained in the in the simple confines of a single regular wrestling match. We saw them brawl out. Let's make it false count anywhere. Why not? It needs to be elevated because, well, it's kind of a big deal. Simply attacking someone and laying them out is one thing, but the extent that Eric Rowan has supposedly gone to take out Roman Reigns is pretty significant. So I'm just saying I think they need to elevate the match quality, or I should say the match type, to kind of match the intensity I think they're trying to go for, especially with this match, or the brawl they just had, uh, which I absolutely loved. I think it was a very smart move. I think it definitely needed to happen, and I think it was executed very, very well. It wasn't too over the top. I died laughing at the fan being powerbombed into the crowd, but I think it definitely needed to happen, and a very well job, a good job indeed. Of course, we go into our uh, Bailey Ember Moon match with, of course, Charlotte Flair uh, on the commentary booth the whole time. Moon in with a single leg drop kick, whip reverse, roll in the hip toss, and arm drag. Uh, of course, we see uh, Bailey throw her into the timekeeper's barricade and cuts her off as we get to the commercial break. Both women are down and out, um, out but Bailey recovers a little faster. Moon blocks is for blocks a little bit. Uh, springboard crossbody for a two, kick to the back of the neck, folding press into a deadlift power bomb. But of course, Bailey reverses into a Frankensteiner. Moons gets on the floor, and we see Bailey looking to die, but Ember cuts her off with a kick. But of course, Bailey comes back with a Bailey to Bailey to get the pinfall victory. Again, gotta let the champ look really strong heading into Clash of Champions. Post-match, Charlotte gets in the ring and slow claps for Bailey before making the universal I'm coming for your belt gesture. And we're real shocked there. We see Kevin Owens, of course, still deep in thought, wearing his ref shirt for tonight's semifinal matchup between Chad Gable and the best in the world, Shane McMahon. But next, we get Kofi Kingston. Kofi comes out, and he says he feels good to be back in the garden and talks about how this building will always hold a special place in his heart because it was where, here, his career changed forever, and he chose to step up and prove that he belongs here when he whipped Randy Orton's ass all over the building. And in the icing on the cake, he laid Orton out by putting his ass through a table. The entire arena, of course, was chanting his name, and he knew that one day he'd be back here as WWE Champion, and that day has come. These kids out there that might be too young to remember, and some folks may even forgot what happened, but they've got footage to remind us. That, and, of course, they played the match that he had with Orton back on November 16th, 2009, 10 years ago, folks. Kofi continues saying that it was just a small taste of what he's going to do to Orton. Then, of course, Orton appears over the PA, calling Kofi stupid over and over again. We finally see him in the crowd with a mic. I really like this because it's not just the typical, the music goes off and he's going to walk out. He's actually in the crowd and trying to basically cut off what was going on. I like that more than I like like entrances coming out. Like, oh, make sure you cue my music before I interrupt this guy because otherwise it's not going to matter anything. He says he can't sit here and listen to Kingston uh, listing his two achievements over the past 10 years and he, when he's won world title seven times in the Royal Rumble twice and he's going to take the title away from Kofi. He says that Kofi's pretended to be something he's not from day one, whether it's the Jamaican accent, the dreadlocks, and that phony powers, power of positivity bullshit. 
Kofi then, for his part, calmly takes his entrance jacket and title belt off and heads down to meet Orton. But, of course, Orton's there with a steel chair, and they start beating each other down. Uh, he throws him into the barricade, sets him up on a riser for a DDT, but Kofi fights back. Kofi gets the chair, and, of course, they continue to brawl back and forth until finally Kingston gets another table, drags it in place, and puts Orton on it, and, of course, does the boom drop through the table just like he did 10 years ago at Madison Square Garden. Um, I have a bitter sweetness about this whole thing. First and foremost, um, man, I'm loving Orton in this whole thing. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to like bash Kofi and saying he sucks. He's a Boston boy. Got a root from a hometown, hometown guys. But man, Orton killed this promo. I don't know if it's just him not caring. I don't know if it's just him like being this new, like another dick version of Randy Orton. I don't care what it is, but I'm loving it. It's just the way he delivers his promos. He's not trying to go over the top. He's not trying to kill you with a catchphrase. He's not trying to hook you in for anything. He's just being a rude, ignorant prick, but he's got some truth into it. And I love how he just kind of takes jabs and shots at Kofi when he's saying, like, listen, I can't hear any in this power positivity bullshit. Like, it just, the, the way he, it comes off extremely real. And I know Orton has the not so stellar reputation of being the sweetest person in the locker room. But just the way that was delivered was, mwah, say magnifique. The whole other everything else, I could either take it or leave it. I think it was a great that Kofi, of course, reminded everybody what happened with him the last time he stepped up with Orton. And I think that iconic boom drop through the table is still something I do remember. I remember watching that episode of Ron going, holy crap, that was awesome. Uh, and it does sort of tie in with the whole idea of, you know, Orton thinking Kofi's not ready and it just builds back on their relationship. So it's kind of a little iffy for me, but if anything else, Orton was definitely the MVP of that one. Despite Kofi may have walking out on top on the whole thing, uh, I think that Orton was definitely the, uh, the MVP for sure, and I can't wait to see what happens on Sunday. So now, of course, we got ourselves our main event. Or rather, I should say, that Eric Rowan and Roman Reigns gets announced, and I just found this out as I was rereading, rereading my notes. Yes, Eric Rowan and Roman Reigns is now officially no DQ. Thank God. But we get our main event. Chad Gable and Shane McMahon, King of the Ring semifinal matchups here. We see McMahon starting out on his knees, side headlock punches backing off, and then, of course, Gable wins with Chaos Theory pinfall attempt. Already hits it really freaking quick. Gable already advances, but wait, wait, wait. Shane stares in disbelief at Owens, who simply holds up the three fingers. McMahon gets in the mic and waves off, saying, now the match is two out of three falls. A shock there. Gable argues and with Owens, and McMahon attacks him from behind. Uh, then we go into the commercial break. Gable is down and out on the floor, but KO is counting. Chad in and out of the count uh, eight before he beats the count. McMahon climbs the turnbuckle and poses before returning back to Gable. Puts the boots to him, scoop slam, flexing at the Olympian, kind of really showboating a little bit here. However, uh, Kev Lee, uh, we see... Um, we see up top moonsault, slow count, no good pinfall attempt on for Shane McMahon. Kev leaning against the ropes, clearly struggling with this roll here. Shane in, Northern Lariat, of course, then ankle lock gets applied out of nowhere by Chad Gable, falling back into the grapevine, and Shane McMahon taps. Chad Gable wins, and of course, now he's advancing to the finals against Baron Corbin. But the weird part is, is that if you look at the lower third, and I actually had to go back and look at this again, the finals of the King of the Ring tournament are not taking place at Clash of Champions this Sunday. They're taking place on Raw next week. What is that all about? Okay, sure. Gable takes a victory lap. McMahon argues with Owens and gets a mic and then just all of a sudden says, you're fired. They brawl and close out the show, folks. So Kevin Owens is officially fired. Okay, there's a lot to take in at the end of SmackDown here. Okay, let's, let's back up a little bit here. 
First and foremost, Shane McMahon placing Elias, no-brainer on that one. I think, like I said, everybody in the internet called that one, which is totally fine. Uh, but let, let's let's kind of let's be realistic here. He was, of course, going to change the match. I do love the intro, the reintroduction of Kevin Owens, but the only the only little like kind of iffy problem I have with about this is that we haven't really seen or heard from KO or Shane in a little while. Like, I feel like this rivalry, as soon as SummerSlam was over, we had that $100,000 fine, and then everything else was put into the back burner. Now, I don't know exactly what was going down, why Shane wasn't on TV, or why Kevin Owens was. You guys might know, and might let me know in the comments or on Twitter. But it just felt awkward to kind of drop that angle for th for about two or three weeks, and all of a sudden, we're just going to randomly interject it in the main event of a go-home show that features neither one of these guys. So I'm not saying that the execution was bad. It just it felt like uh, uh and it just like shot out of nowhere. Gable winning was awesome. Glad to see him advance. The idea of not holding the King of the Ring finals though at the pay per view is so bizarre. I would think you would want to do it at the King uh, at the Clash of Champions pay per view. Clash of Champions itself has its own unique history. The one of the first ever WCW slash NWA mainstay pay per views or sorry free events that was ever released. Sting and Ric Flair going next nearly 60 minutes for the World Heavyweight Championship, a classic and something you definitely need to watch. But the King of the Ring tournament, I mean, listen, I might be in the minority here, but for the most part, I've been digging the King of the Ring matches this year. I know that the tournament's left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, especially the last couple of times I've tried to do it, and, and I, I'm right there with you. But I think the King of the Ring has been, as far as match quality-wise, pretty successful. It's just so head-scratching as to, well, and then if you're going to do a pay-per-view... Why wait the why wait the next night till Raw? Why not just do it at the pay per view? Bring them more prestige. You're crowning a King of the Ring in 2019. You want to be taken seriously with it. I just don't understand why you can't just do it at the pay per view. Stack it up. It's not like you're having every single championship be defended at the pay per view anyway. Hell, you got Eric Rowan and Roman Reigns going at it. So the end of SmackDown was a bit confusing, but overall, SmackDown, at the very least, did a better job than its Monday Night predecessor of building up this pay-per-view. I'm really looking forward to a lot of things on the SmackDown side. I think Orton and, and Kofi is going to do well. I think that, despite the weird build going into it, Nakamura and Miz is going to do well, and Bailey and Charlotte Flair could also pull out some uh, uh, tricks out of their hat. But everything else about SmackDown this week was just a little bit meh. And while again, while the pay-per-view bill going into Clash of Champions I thought was very well done, everything else for the most part was just so-so. It was just kind of there. The big things for me that really stood out more than anything else uh, for a positive side was definitely Chad Gable winning. The Kevin Owens getting fired, by the way, is also something that just kind of scratches my head because, well, if you're going to fire him anyway, why don't you just have him lose at SummerSlam and get even more heat that way. Um, maybe just a way to them for revamping the storyline. I don't know, but it, it's just a weird that you're like, well, he just put his job on the line there and you're going to fire him forward. It's it's one of those things where it's like, well, then stipulations don't matter anymore. Stipulations don't matter anymore. It's going to be harder for me to you know care about those stipulations. I think really the big things for me were Kofi and Orton. I think that was definitely one of the highlights for Raw this week. I think, or excuse me, for SmackDown this week. I also think the Eric Rowan, Roman Reigns brawl uh, was definitely a highlight for me as well. Everything else, for the most part, unfortunately, was just kind of there. Uh, men's matchup, I'd probably give it to Andrade versus Miz. Uh, but other than that, we had The Undertaker showing up for a random reason whatsoever, which I still don't know what the hell it was for. At least promote SmackDown going to Fox, dead man. Uh, 
Uh, Bailey versus Ember Moon was a very solid one. Nikki Cross and Mandy Rose was just not my cup of tea. We saw heavy machinery layout to waste, but other than that, SmackDown was just kind of there. Go Home Show did do a better job of building up the pay-per-view compared to Raw, but unfortunately, I felt like that the show, other than maybe a couple of other segments, not really matches, but segments, didn't really do much to hold my attention for this week's SmackDown anyway. Maybe next week we'll turn a corner, and maybe that's just my opinion. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. What you guys think of SmackDown Live this week? Are you excited for Clash of Champions? What was your favorite part of it? Love to hear your thoughts. Hit me up in the comments. Hit me up on social media, on the Twitter, the Facebook, Instagram, all that fun jazz, Twitch, Facebook, whatever it is. Uh, of course, make sure you guys new to the channel. Hit that sub button and hit that bell so you're notified every time we have a video dropping in your sub box. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. We'll be back at you tomorrow, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we're going to talk all things from NXT. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care, and as always, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Make sure to watch The OK Fabe Show. Follow him on Twitter at OK Fabe and like over on Facebook.com slash OK Faber. This is the OK Fame Show.